0: Hi, this is Jeff Downs from Asia, yes, and the Buggles, and you're listening to FMI Radio.
1: Is there there anybody
2: out there? Is, Is there anybody out there?
1: Cyberspace, Hyperspace, Out of Space, or wherever you may reside. This is SMI Radio on NWCZ. I'm your host, Greg Roth, Seattle Music Insider and writer for Examiner.com. This past Friday at the Chateau Saint-Michel, I got a chance to see one of my favorite bands. Yes, they were in town in support of their new album, Fly From Here. Yes treated the fans, Us, to a wonderful sampling of their catalog, Uh, some classic Yes and then a song off their new record, Fly From Here. Included in the current lineup is Jeff Downs. Jeff was on the drama album. Jeff also played keyboards with Asia and is one half of the Buggles. Well, interestingly enough, if you don't read the news, if you haven't been reading the news, MTV celebrated 30 years of existence this week. The first video that MTV ever played was Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. Well, Jeff Downs played on that record, along with Trevor Horn, who produced the new Yes album, Fly From Here. I had a chance to meet Jeff after the show, as well as Benoit David, And, of course, Alan White, who's a friend of the show and a friend of ours. Not that he would remember, but I actually met Jeff Downs back in 1982 at Tower Records in San Francisco by the Fisherman's Wharf. Asia was in town doing an autograph session, and I was a big Asia fan, still am, and I wanted to meet some of my musical heroes from Yes and Emerson, Lake & Palmer, so I got a chance to actually meet John Wetton, Steve Howe, Carl Palmer, and of course, Jeff Downs. Well, here we are several years later and I got to meet him again and chat with him. Earlier this week, I got a chance to chat with him via phone while he was down in Los Angeles. The band is wrapping up uh, some final shows of the first leg of their tour. And uh, Jeff was kind enough to give me his time. And we actually chatted on the day that MTV celebrated its 30 year anniversary. And I thought we would start the show off with the song that started the whole video revolution and the way that we listen and watch music.
2: I heard you on the wireless back in 52 Lying awake intently tuning in on you If I was young it didn't stop you coming through
1: Well, first of all, Jeff, it is—it um, was great to meet you on Friday. I got an opportunity to meet you after the Yes show. It was a, a great show, and and you guys sounded fantastic. It was a beautiful summer's evening. Um, it was yeah, fun. Well, it was a
0: beautiful night. and I think we uh, we really enjoyed it. You know, I think uh, it was uh, a you nice know, full house as well. There was great. So I mean, it was a great setting.
1: Yeah. How how do you feel the show went?
0: Yeah, I thought it went very well. I think that um you know we really started to uh to lock in now with it all and I think that um yeah, I think it was really probably one of the best ones that we've done. If not the best.
1: No, it was it was magical. It was just a a perfect evening. Now, I got to tell you, this is so strange talking to you right now because MTV okay. just replayed the launch of their station. Okay. All uh, right, okay. And they've been. This today is the 30-year anniversary of the launch of MTV, and the first song that was played was "Video Killed the Radio Star." That's right. And yeah. I literally just got done watching it 10 minutes ago.
0: I was on 10 minutes ago. Was it? Yeah. Killed the
1: Radio Star on MTV. Uh, what an well, we're going to talk about yes, but we want to talk about the Buggles because I'm a I'm a huge fan of the Buggles. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. It's a ground. It's, it's a big day today, you know. It's a groundbreaking. Uh, it was a groundbreaking event that changed music probably for, you know, for, for, for all time, certainly modern music.
1: hmm hmm Yeah, I mean, not only did it change music, I think it changed television in general and, and, and how people watch TV and how video is shot and, and produced. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I hadn't made, it made a lot of changes to, to technology, um, well, everything, you know, or people's, people's taste in music was changed as a result, you know, all sorts of things, Um radios changed formats you know all kinds of things happened it really did did sort of a chain of events
1: now when you guys started out when you made the video i mean there wasn't an mtv was that something that bands were doing to kind of get the record company's attention to get a visual on what you guys look like or was there an actual uh, vehicle in which uh, to show those videos
0: well, I think it was more it was more of a sort of a primo um exercise, I think. Um, and record labels started to realise that instead of flying a band all over Europe or all over the world, um, they could they could send a, um you know, a video of what the band looked like from probably their their sort of lead track, if you like. So it, it, they started to get very elaborate of course and um uh, and very expensive, but I guess the record label, you know, they felt that at the time they had to be, you know, if if they didn't do it, then the other label would, so um, they all kind of got on the bandwagon with making videos, and uh, <clears throat> I think that, that fortunately for us, we had a great director who who was just starting to... To make a name for himself as the uh, you know in that world, and, and went on to be a guy called Russell he went on to be extremely successful in that field, and uh, um, so yeah, I mean it was it was something that I think it, we we were asked by the record company to put together or or get together with a video director for, as a sort of. Um, you know, we were the ideal band for it, if you if you like, in a way, because we we, we weren't actually a working group; we were just part of a studio mm-hmm. concept. So to actually put that into, you know, to be able to, to market that around the world was a lot easier to have a video uh, as a promotional tool,
1: right? Yeah, as opposed to a full-scale tour. Now, it's my understanding that you guys had not performed that song live. Um, up until I think was it two thousand four, when you guys actually did the Prince's Trust, did, did but I know that you had performed yeah. on Top of the Pops and done some lip syncing. Yeah, we stuff.
0: didn't actually. Um, we 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 had a couple of sort of minor things, but well, that was the first time we actually did it properly. I think with the, with all the back and vocals and everything like that. And uh, yeah, it was. Um, I think it was. It was. Uh, something that we've actually reviewed and done quite a bit of lately, you know, mm-hmm. I booked up with Trevor a couple of years ago, and we've been doing quite a bit of stuff together, and we've done a few gigs of the Buggles with um, uh, doing that song, so it's, uh, it's kind of, it, it's doable live, we, we probably never thought it was, because there's so many intricate um, overdubs and things like that, mm-hmm.
1: but it, it comes across pretty well. No, it does. I, I actually have seen the video and folks out there listening, you can go out to YouTube and see the live version of uh the Princess Trust concert and see the original Buggles perform video killed the radio star with the original background vocalists and it, it was absolutely brilliant.
0: It was all and everything. So it was pretty uh, a guy called Paul Robinson, so it was all pretty um uh, pretty exact to the original. We actually had uh, Trevor had a copy of the original multi track. Oh wow! So we went through each part, and uh, it was it was it was quite fascinating to go through a piece of music that you put together 30 mm-hmm. years ago and actually analyse all the little uh, overdubs and uh, see how we put it all together was was quite interesting. I mean, I'm sure someone would be very interested to see that one day. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and you guys even wore the silver, brought out the silver uh, jackets as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, it was a trip down memory lane, but uh, uh, I'm sure they'll be showing Video um, You yeah, Kill the Radio Star" quite a few times today on MTV, mm-hmm. I would think, because they'll be um, they'll be pumping that la- the the anniversary of the
1: launch, I would think. Absolutely, yeah. They've been playing it all weekend, and they, like I said, they they literally just played it before I got on the phone with you. That's, that's fortuitous. Yeah, synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then you got together uh, this past fall and actually uh, did a gig as well, right?
0: Yeah, we we got together. Um, um, yeah, we did, we did a charity show called the Lost Bubbles gig in uh, in uh, in London in a, in a small club in London, but we actually played the whole of the Age of Plastic uh,
1: mm-hmm. album. I love that record. I love it. I love. I think one of my favorite tracks, obviously, "Video Killed the Radio Star," but I love "Elstree."
0: Yeah, well, we played the whole thing from beginning to end in, in its um, in its actual physical order, so it was um, it was quite interesting for the fans. I think that I mean it was an expensive ticket because it was a big charity I event. Mean, mm-hmm. That's know, great. To, uh, it was uh, it was great. Action.
1: So you got together with Trevor last fall, and then Trevor was producing the new Yes record, and they were going to bring you in to play on uh, We Can Fly From Here, but you ended up not only playing on that, but playing on most of the album and then being brought in. As part of the band again, did, did, is that something that you anticipated, that you planned on, or did it just kind of take you by no, surprise? No,
0: I think that um, initially Trevor was only going to produce that one track because mm-hmm. that's what we'd spoken to Chris about, uh, and part of the thing was that he said, as I, you know, we'd co-written that track me and Trevor together. He he, he said to the guys, he said, look, you know, I'd really like Jeff to play on this because. He's, he, he's got the, the handle on all the parts and he's very faithful to how it would be. So that was, that was the sort of first move. So I said, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, so I think it was switch, you know, move the crop forward to the beginning of this year and, um, uh, and they were recording in Los Angeles and I happened to be in Los Angeles. I was doing some writing and also uh, uh, down here for the Nam show. And... Um, uh, it was kind of something that we we had another song from that era that that, that me and Trevor had written, and, and Trevor suggested to them maybe um, they would considered doing that one, and and uh, and they had a listen to it. And said, oh, okay, that'd be fine. So again, that that sort of incorporated my involvement in it. So I just started getting um, you know at the beginning of the year I started to work with Trevor and and, and the guys putting those parts together, and we had a. A rehearsal for about a week to, um, you know, to, to to try and get all this stuff together, and then I think from that point Trevor had Trevor had already agreed to do the whole album, I think, and um, in which case, but he said that you know he wanted me to be involved in it um, on a on a on a bigger scale, and, and I think that that's when the Time came. The guy said, well, you know, um, yep, you know, we'll, we'd like you to join. Wow. Of how it worked, it was in a kind of gradual cycle, I suppose, or a gradual mm-hmm.
1: uh, process. No, it just made, it made sense. I, I love the new record. Um, I had a chance to, to chat with Alan because he lives up here and we're friends, and um, yeah. we're friends with him, he and Gigi, and he was telling me a lot about the process. But when I finally heard the record all the way through, I it's absolutely brilliant. I think it's one of the best yes records in years. A powerful record, I mm-hmm. think. That, um, there's a lot there's a lot of good stuff about it, and i, and I think trevor's done a great job on the
0: production mm-hmm. i think it really does it really just stand up as a as a you know a, a really good sounding album and I, and I think that's maybe something that yes have not had for quite some time you know mm-hmm. even um you know with the last couple of albums they've probably weren't
1: produced in a um in such a professional way yeah well my opinion i mean trevor horn is is always been one of my favorite producers he's just amazing with soundscapes, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, I love the new record. I, I, I'm a I'm a yes fan all the way back to 1974, That's and precious. and I, so so obviously I love the Close to the Edge, Fragile, and all the classic Yes tales of topographic yeah. oceans. And and I'm a fan of John Anderson, of course, but I love the Drama album. You know, bringing in Trevor and you brought a fresh approach, a more leaner kind of pop sensibility if you will and yet at the same time the drama album still sounds like yes but more of a, a modern version of of yes and i think you guys coming in kind of paved the way for their for their next album which was the big 90125 album um, yeah i think we
0: we we did sort of um it, it was really laying the uh the foundations for 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 a whole new sort of 80s version of yes if you like and i think that um you know, I think if you look at, uh, at Yes as a band, you know, I think that that the the, the good thing about the band is that it does have different um, periods, you know, with mm-hmm. different styles that come in into play, and yet it still managed to retain um, the sound of Yes. And I, and I think that, that that's true today. You know, with Fly from Here, I think that that you know, it's obviously um, it's not the what they call the classic lineup. You know, mm-hmm. with um, Obviously with, with with the three guys at the moment and uh, and, and Wegman and, and Anderson, but um, it still has a yes sound, and I think that, that you know um, you could go through the Trevor Rabin stuff and that still has a yes sound mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so I think that they, they can all live you know, I don't think anything's better than anything else specifically. I think yeah. they can also live um, live together quite comfortably.
1: I agree. And, and, you know, I've got pretty much the whole catalog and, and I'm, you know, I'm of the mind that it's all, I can have it all. I can enjoy it all. Exactly. It's all good. You know, I
0: mean, yeah.
1: in, 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 in three words, it's
0: all good. I mean, you know, even if you're into, um, topographic oceans, you know, which is, you know, you know much more, one of the more sort of eclectic and, uh, you know, and not, not obscure, but, um, uh, it, it it takes some digesting, you know, and um uh, I think you can you can go from that extreme and then you've got, you know, um Owner of a Lonely Heart, you know, which mm-hmm. is an out sort of um eighties sort of pop rock anthem, you know. So um those those sort of elements I think are, are good that, that, that Yes has got, you know, not many bands have got uh, are able to to morph into different directions like like Yes have done over the years.
2: Surfing through another dimension, a dimension of podcasts and real-time streaming, of content both live and, quote-unquote, on tape. It covers Washington, Oregon, B.C., and even Idaho, existing between the summit of man's technology and the depths of his cave. There's the web banner up ahead. Your next stop, the Northwest Convergence Zone.
1: Listen to Northwest Virgin Sun every Sunday night at 9 p.m. on NWCZ Radio. 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 Yes has had you know, literally 16 different members come and go over the years. And every album, regardless of whether it's you, Patrick Mraz, Rick Wakeman, Oliver Wakeman, Billy Sherwood, whoever it still sounds like yes what do, what do you think that is i mean obviously chris is is the mainstay of the band but is it because the artists that come into the band have been so much influenced by yes that they come in and they get it and they get what yes is about and no matter who they have in the band regardless of the lineup it's still yes
0: yeah i think i think um it's a combination of the two i mean obviously um chris is is the common denominator throughout mm-hmm. Yes's history, and and has an extremely distinctive style with of bass playing, and I think that, that 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 is unavoidable, and I think that, that Yes does rely heavily on that in the, in the rhythm section, and with Alan too, they've got that sort of um, you know that understanding of the sound of of how the Yes rhythm section should be.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that the band is built on the rhythm section, and and obviously particularly with crisping the the, the the creator in that department from day one. I think that, that you know a lot of credit. He he he's got to take a lot of credit for that. Um, but I think at the same time it, it's not just about that. You know I think it's about the other people that that come and join. And I think that that um, the the directions are, are kind of decided by by whoever comes in. And, and and I think as long as you've got that rhythm section, you have still got the identifiable yeah. sound of it. But. Um, Um, You know, obviously, more of the the classic Yes stuff belongs in in Steve's department, Mm guitar-wise, but I I think, you know, um, they've only really had one or or two other guitarists, and I think that that, uh, Trevor Rabin, you know, had his own style as well, and I think he he brought, uh, you know, a a different slant on Yes's music, and, and I think that each person that has been in the band has made, you know, a conscious effort that of knowing that they are in a band called Yes and that it should sound a certain way. And I think that, um, uh, you know, that, that's pretty much the, the way that I would see it.
1: Yeah, it seems to me that the spirit of the music and the power of the music is so much bigger than any individual member.
0: I think I think that's true. I think that um, the, the, the fact that, you know, it has um, sustained changes o- over the years, I think that shows that... that, um, that the music of Yes is, is, is actually um, yeah, yeah much bigger than any of the sum of its parts at any given time, and I think that um, you know if that then that, that weren't the case, then I don't think it would still be going forty three years on.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. One of the things uh, I want to talk about your keyboard playing, and I talked with Alan about this, and when we were at, we were out to dinner one night, and one of the things I love about your your playing, I mean you're obviously you've got great chops, you're classically trained, but you you always seem to find the right textures and tones that fit the song and and that you're a very tasty what i call tasty keyboardist and that you just you just have this really great affinity for amazing soundscapes and uh layers how did you come to that approach because obviously you're able to play a lot of intricate parts it,
0: it started actually around about the, the, the you know when I met Trevor and and because there were only two of us working on stuff, and he he wasn't a keyboard player. He was just really mainly focusing on production and uh, and his bass playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we started to do a lot of projects together, and and of course my my role really was to try and I just I just sort of duplicate every other possible instrument. So you know I, I really got into the concept of of um, of building up this sort of all these textures. Um, with, with with really quite rudimentary equipment like a string machine, um, a mini Moog, a Prophet Five, something like that, and that's sort of uh, Fender Rhodes, Clavinet. You know, I started off with with sort of quite quite primitive pieces of kit, but you know at the time we we used to mess around and get studio effects uh, going like mm-hmm. like crazy. So so we build up this this sort of these textures um, almost like a, a kind of electronic orchestra, if you like. And that—that that was really my, my approach was was um, was building it like that. So I think that when it came to recording the stuff, you know, that's that's what I'd do. I'd start to, to put these uh, intricate layers in and stuff. And, uh, uh, and and in many ways, I think that's why um, Chris was, uh, and Steve uh, and Alan were originally very interested in in what we had to put forward because of Trevor's... Um, lyrical stuff, you know, which is pretty, pretty out there, and um, uh, uh, and also my my style of keyboard playing was very supportive to I think someone like Steve, for instance, who's very much um, uh, you know an individual virtuoso type guitarist. You know, Steve doesn't play a lot of chords. He's not mm-hmm. he's not much of a a harmony player. You know, he, he's very much his little orchestral things are based on single line stuff and. Uh, uh, and that, that's you know that's what what makes him I think so individual as a player. But mm-hmm. I think my style of keyboard playing was very um, that, that I developed was very very um, uh, uh, had a lot of empathy with what Steve was doing because you could then he had the, the sort of the soundscapes and the backdrops to be able to put his lines over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's sort of pretty much how it developed. But I mean, I, 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 it's, it's a style that. I think I've used pretty much in everything that I've done. You know, it's, it's with Asia and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and my solo things, I've, I've, I've created the textures, and, and uh, uh, it's a passion to me. You know, I get a lot of kick out of uh, yeah. out of um, working with the new sounds, and um, you know, see, see see if I can create original stuff.
1: I I really love your playing. My, I mean, in terms of keyboard playing, I mean, I love you know Keith Emerson, Rick Wakeman, Tony Banks. And you? Yeah, I, I love those. I love
0: those guys too. Love, yeah. Uh, they, they, were, they were the guys that, um, that set me on the road. You know, that inspired me to get go out and do it. So uh, uh, you know, it's, it's ironic that, that I, I've actually been involved with uh, two bands that, or uh, indirectly, were was certainly Carl and, and Greg Lake. You know, I've, I've been. Um, you know directly involved with with both those bands that that that, uh, that uh, you know Keith and and um, Rick were part of
1: no i I think it's great that you were influenced by them, but you've created your own style. you've created your own signature and trademark sound and, and are a solid keyboard player and virtuoso in your own right. Yeah.
2: this is lee oscar i'm the harmonica player formerly from the band war and now playing as the lowrider band you are listening to smi
1: radio i remember when i was in a record store and i was in the army and uh you know i just i happened to hear this great sound come over the speakers in the record store and i go wow this kind of sounds like yes but it's not yes and it sounds like john wetton singing and um from king crimson and i look and and i look at the record cover and it was it was a, obviously a roger dean <laughs> record cover. I go, who's this band? They go, Oh, it's this new band called Asia and I look at the credits on the record. I see you and Steve and John and Carl. I go, Wow, this is this is fantastic. And uh your keyboard playing really kind of defined that record, that first Asia record, and all the Asia records that you played on, but but your sound and your and your and Steve's sound really define the Asia sound in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think that um uh we 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 had a, it was a, a a sort of um modus that we modus operandum that we'd actually discussed with the four of us that, that we didn't necessarily want to um try and follow, you know, what, what uh, ELP or, or Yes or King Crimson had done before. I think it was very much a case of we we wanted to try something different. And I and I think that, you know, if you think about um realistically we, you know, it had a lot of commercial success on on commercial radio, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and you know that that for the time to have music that that still, you know, I believe had had integrity and uh, and, and musicality, you know, that was that was something that was pretty um, rewarding for me that that that, that the, um, the American. Um, listening public particularly would take that on board and still, you know, still go out and enjoy it and, and play it on the radio. You know, I mean, it's was, it's was amazing, really.
1: Yeah, it was great because Yes went on to ha- obviously have their success with with their new record, and then Asia went on to have great success and and create yeah. their own sound.
0: I think in in many ways it it, it possibly um, gave Yes some direction. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't say that sort of. Um, you know, flippantly, I think that, uh, that that they'd seen how um, you know a band like Asia, who was basically British, four British bug rockers, actually put something together and, and, and make it commercially viable as well. You know, not just to not just to a fan base, you know, but but it was much more far-reaching. And I, and I think that that may have influenced them about getting Trevor Rabin involved, who was much more of a kind of uh 80s type guys
3: <laughs> yeah um
0: uh you know it may well have paved the way for them obviously having Trevor producing um, would have helped but um uh you know I, I good luck i mean i think that that was a great album by the one still five we'll play it you know it's really good really good
1: well is it yeah i i agree i think you know prog rock at that time you know it, it had to either it either had to, to change or it was going to die. And and you guys being able to kind of shift and 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 simplify the songs and and take essentially the spirit of the prog rock sound, but but bring it up to date.
0: I think so, and I think yeah. people have had enough of the seventies, you know. And I think people felt that it, you know it had all been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if you look at quite a lot of the the, the 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 prog rock bands or the big prog rock bands that were around in in Britain in the seventies, I think a lot of them changed. You know, I think Pink Floyd changed. Pink Floyd went from being you know, a sort of uh, almost a flower power band into being. You know, um, having hit singles around the world, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, so that they made the change, and and I think Genesis made the change. You know, Genesis didn't trot anymore. You know, they 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 were doing, you know, weekend dance and all the rest of the stuff was coming through. You know, um, so you know, I think it was it was, a, it was a, that that. Time at the beginning of the '80s was it was a, a, a big change for a lot of people because I think that, that you know they probably had enough of you know great though they were but the, you know the 15-minute epics that these bands were known for um, were kind of um, moved aside in a way mm-hmm. and
1: a new style developed out of it. Oh, well, Rush is another band that I think that was influenced as well that kind of shifted their sound.
0: That's right. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. You know, I think that also the, the, the technology that was developing at that time. You know, there were um, you were starting to get a lot, a lot of the polyphonic synths were coming through, yeah. and uh, and of course you had all the sort of the new wave and the uh, neo new romantics and you know all the pop bands like Joe yep. and coming through. Um, so it was um, it was a big change. You know, it was a big change from the sort of I think I think I think punk was was the thing that that really um, was was the reaction against prog music at the right. end of the seventies, and then and then I think that uh, you know as the eighties took over, people started to think, well, you know, we need to do something else here, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's sort of a result of that uh, the influence of, of how that early part of the eighties just did influence
1: um, all kinds of music. It's almost like instead of taking 10 minutes to what to say, what it is you want to say musically, you bring it down to three to four minutes and that's yet right. the spirit is still there.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and and going back to our earlier conversation, I think that suited, uh, MTV as well, mm-hmm. because they weren't going to be playing um, a 15 minute video. You know, um, they wanted to play a four minute video or a three and a half minute video. And, uh, uh, and, and so they had this, you know, the, this the fast rotation, uh, and and I think again that that must have had some influence or some bearing on, on how people, wrote music then because the, the people were writing, I'm not saying we were writing for that medium, but we we were conscious of the fact that, um, the songs had to be shorter, right? <laughs> so, uh, even if you were, even if you were you know a prog rock musician, you you weren't going to get part of that whole thing unless you you complied to the the way that the, that everyone else was going
1: as you you have a, a a real pop sensibility to your playing and you you've got the prog rock thing going yeah <laughs> well i
0: I think that's what what attracted um me and trevor in 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 the first place or to the other guys in yes because um they were, they were i think particularly chris was a big fan of the Asian plastic album um mm. there, because we had the same management at the time and so we bumped into them uh, on occasions in their management management office and uh I, th- I think that that was largely what um you know what 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 really excites them about the, bu- the buggles joining them because we did have that sort of pop sensibility we mm-hmm. had that sort of um hard hitting production ideas you know it wasn't just um the it wasn't just the band in uh, in, in you know, just playing, and that was the, the one camera shot, you know, we we were pretty outrageous with some of the things we did in the studio yeah. at the time. I think that, that all of that really contributed towards, um, you know, Yes's, uh, Yes's interest in, in what we were doing.
1: Well, I, I remember listening to the Video Killed the Radio Star, and I was in a room, and then the uh, the Oa Oa part comes on and I turned yeah. because I thought the person was standing right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: but there's those sort of um, those extreme bits of production. I mean which Trevor really has perfected over the years and uh <laughs> you know, he's he's taken that to to that sort of stuff to uh, extreme length. But um uh, you know, I've spoken to him at length about it, you know, and and he said that uh he'd speak to people and say, you know, it's a bit of a gimmicky sadness and he said, I want gimmicks, I'm a
1: record producer. <laughs> ear candy. Yes, exactly. Lots of, lots of ear candy.
0: Um, that's always been his That's always been his attitude, and, and that's really, you know, something that we, we had going with the buggles as well. We'd, we'd, we'd do, you know, something would just come in once and it'd be shocking, you know, mm-hmm. and then it'd disappear and something else would come in. You know, it's almost like, I suppose it's almost like making a film. You know, mm-hmm. it's Trevor is very... Often said that to me that that when he makes a record he 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 sees it as he's making a mini film yeah uh, he's a, he's a film director more than the record producer but uh, it obviously through through the uh, through the audio rather than the visual
1: that totally makes sense especially you think of Fly From Here that whole record it it almost is like listening to a movie
0: yeah yeah well that that's that's his you know that's always been his style and I think that um, he. he you know, as much as he sometimes works with with, with um, mainstream uh, pop acts, he still always manages to inject some of that visual um, sides of things in, into into what he's done. And uh, you know, that's I think that's one of the reasons why he's he's been so sex- successful, and why he's still, you know, making great records like Five. Of them.
1: You are listening to FMI Radio. A um, couple other things before uh, you go, um, I gotta I gotta address the blog. I love your blog, man. You're a good, you're a funny guy.
0: <laughs> well, it's another one of my, uh, it's another string to my bow, I suppose. Uh, Who knew? Yeah, I, I, do it for, I do it for a bit of fun. I have a bit of banter with the, with uh, some of the the yuppets. Yeah, yeah. They make a few grisly remarks here and there, but um, <laughs> I think all in all, it's it's all in good spirits, and uh, yeah. uh, I think people, you know, maybe like yourself, do get. I get yeah, the joke yeah. Uh a bit of interest, you know, about what's going on with the band and, and and I think that uh people I've only generally speaking had some very positive remarks on it so.
1: Yeah, I think most I think most people get it. I think people they at first the initial reaction maybe some fans were, "Well, man, what's he doing?" And then yeah, I think once people got to really go, "Oh, okay, I kind of see yeah, what I he's doing." It. I get it, I yeah. get it now. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming around, <laughs> you yeah. know. the 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 hardcore yes fans. They can be a little bit intense, you know.
0: <laughs> oh well, I know that, and, and I I don't, um, you know, I wouldn't decry them for that because, you know, I mean, the people that got a passion for something, I got a lot of respect for, and uh, uh, you know that they that they do, uh, you know, they are they are very intense about it. Yeah. And I don't I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, because I, I think they're much much. Uh, Worse things in the world to be intense about than, uh, you know. <laughs> than... Yes, yeah, so uh, I, I, I take my heart off to them.
1: This is the last week of the first leg of the tour. You're wrapping up down in, in California. I think you're playing the Greek uh, yeah, tomorrow we're night. Playing Greek.
0: We're playing the Greek theater tomorrow night. Yep. And then, um, uh, We've got a show up in the winery towards San Jose. And then um, down in San Diego for the last show on Thursday night.
1: And then you're heading uh, back home.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be in L.A. for a few days and then uh, I'm going to be heading back home uh, next
1: week. So what what's next for you personally, uh, as well as yes?
0: Well, I'm doing some writing with, with um, a couple of people in, in L.A. At the, uh, after I finish the tour. I'm just going to do do a few songs with someone that I was writing with before. And um, a guy called Chris Braid. I'm just doing a little bit of stuff with him. And then um, I'm going to back to the U.K. um I guess um, get on with some writing and some, putting some ideas together, just sort of generic ideas and um, see what happens really. I'm just uh, uh, open to persuasion, but um, I, I may well be doing some more stuff with Trevor, I think that was... Uh, oh great. ...that, that we've discussed, so um, yeah. just keeping busy really until the next, until the next yes uh, thing takes off you know I'll probably do some stuff with John Wetton as well because we've oh, great. got some Asia business next year as well coming in so uh, generally keeping in touch with everybody and uh, keeping busy I think
1: so are there any chances for a, a, another Buggles album? I think there's, there's always a possibility because um, certainly
0: the last few years I've um, I've worked with Trevor on a number of projects now so I uh, kind of we're, we're 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 sort of back as the Buggles in terms of um, personally, and right. uh, um, uh, we may well talk about some time going out and doing some dates. I don't know yet. That's just a it's just just a plan, but just to do a few um, isolated shows here and there, and uh, uh, and maybe do some more writing. So
1: great, Jeff. I want to thank you for your time. Uh, really enjoyed talking to you. I'm I've been a fan of yours and your various projects for years. It was great That's to right, meet
0: yeah. you. It's nice to hear. Thank you.
1: And it was great meeting you last Friday. I actually met you years ago, and we, I told you this on Friday, but um, about 1982 at the record store, the uh, Tower Records, I met That's you. Right, the, the, the um, what was that, San Francisco, wasn't it? San Francisco, it? Tower Records, yeah. when I was uh, 22. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but it was great it was to. Probably a
0: queue. It was a massive queue around the block. I think at that
1: time. Yeah, I um, I, I got there pretty early. Um, I, yeah, I I was a bit, you know, sleepy from being out the night before. But yeah. <laughs> what I remember. But did it was, it, yeah. it was. You guys were you guys were all very gracious and, and, and great with the fans. And, and again, it was great to to, to meet you again and, and have this conversation with you. So uh, thank you again for your time. Okay. No worries, Greg. thank you very much.
0: This is Michael Wilton of Queensrake. And you're listening to SMI radio
1: on NWCZ what a great conversation with Jeff Downs one half of the buggles current keyboardist for yes and Asia what he has done with yes is is just absolutely fantastic there I know there is a lot of you out there that are perhaps cynical of the current Yes lineup and aren't aren't happy with the current lineup. I know some of you like the classic lineup. Alan White, uh, Rick Wakeman, Steve Howe, John Anderson, and Chris Squire. I'm a Yes fan from all the way back to 1974. I've got their entire catalog. I love John Anderson. John Anderson is a big part of Yes, and he always will be. And one day, maybe, he'll be back in the group. You never know. But the one thing that is great about Yes, whoever's in the band, it's still Yes. The power of Yes, the power of their music is, was, and always will be bigger than the individual members. And as much of a John Anderson fan as I am, and I have a lot of John's solo albums, I love the drama album. And as much as I would love to see John Anderson fronting the band, Benoit David is a great singer. And he did a great job this past Friday at the Chateau Saint-Michel. Benoit David is as much a Yes fan as anybody. And he knows he has big shoes to fill. This current lineup, this album stands on its own merits. It's a great record. And this longtime Yes fan, me, thinks it's one of the finest records they've ever done. So those of you that are out there that are cynical or maybe aren't happy with the current lineup, All I can say is give this version of Yes a chance. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to Gigi White, Alan's wife, for helping line up the interview. She went out of her way uh, to get in touch with Jeff so that we could talk the day that MTV celebrated its 30-year anniversary. I'm going to leave you with a track off the brand-new album Fly From Here called Hour of Need. Until next time, have a great evening, have a great week, and have a great weekend. Peace love, and music. This is SMI Radio on NWCZ.